0: Good morning, brothers and sisters. All right. Turn with me to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 2. 2 Kings, chapter 2. And we'll be reading the entire chapter this morning. 2 Kings, chapter 2. As we continue on through the Kings and Chronicles, um, we've come to the end of Ahab last week and the end of Jezebel. And now we come to the end of the ministry of Elijah and the beginning of the ministry of Elisha. So let's read uh, the entire chapter, 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It says, And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went up with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. And Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophet who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elisha said to Elisha, Stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, "As the Lord lives, and as your as your soul lives, I will not leave you." So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, "Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you uh, from over you today?" So he answered, "Yes, I know. Keep silent." Then Elijah said to him, "Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan." But he said, "As the Lord lives." And as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophet went and stood facing them at a distance while the two men stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. And it was divided this way and that way so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. Elisha said, please let me have a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a, a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on, on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses and of fire, and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elijah saw it. Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him, and went back and stood by the banks of Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah That had fallen from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also, I'm sorry, and when he had, and when he also had struck the waters, it was divided this way and that way, and Elisha crossed over. Now, when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said to him, The spirit of Elijah rests upon Elisha. And they came to him and they bowed down, uh, they bowed to the ground before him then they said to him look now there are 50 strong men with your servants please let us let them go and search for your master lest perhaps the spirit of the lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley and he said you shall not send anyone and they urged him till he was ashamed and he said send them therefore they sent 50 men and they searched for three days, but did not find him. And when they came back to him, for he had stayed in Jericho, he said, uh, he said to him, Didn't I say to you, Do not go? Then the men of the city said to Elisha, Please notice that the situation of the city is pleasant. As my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. And he said, Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. And so they, bought, they, they, brought, it, they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water and cast the salt there and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed this water. From it there shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remained healed to this day according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. Then he went up, up from there to Bethel. And as he was going up the road, some youths came from the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. And he turned around and he turned around and he looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. Then he went from there to Mount Carmel and from there he returned to Samaria. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. And I pray he strengthens my voice as it seems to be going. So here we find ourselves at the end of a great career, a great ministry of Elijah. And Elijah had a lot of ups and downs. I think of a couple weeks ago, our brother Mike took us as as how he fled for his life. As as much victory as he had, as much uh, 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 wonders the Lord worked through him. Having the greatest mountaintop experience there on Mount Carmel before the children of Israel and before the prophets of Baal and how the Lord proved himself. The man would flee for his life and despair of his own life. And the Lord would comfort him. And the Lord would meet him where he was. And there, in 1 Kings chapter 19, it says, listen, you're not alone. I know you think you're alone, Elijah. I know you think you're the only one left. But you're not alone. He started, in fact, listen, I need you to go and anoint your replacement. And there he was told in chapter 19 to go and find Elisha. This was about 10 years ago before this event. And there, we don't have time to go back and look at it, but there, Elijah found Elisha in the fields, plowing the fields. His family was, was, a, was a farming family, and they had quite a bit of land, and they had quite a bit of money because there was, there was 12 yoke of oxen on the land, plowing the land. And Elisha was there working on his father's land which speaks a little bit about the character of a man. Even though his father was wealthy, even though his father had substance, he put his hand to the work. He's one that was diligent and willing to put his hand to the work. And so we see that Elijah would come and would cast his mantle upon Elisha. And it says that Elisha dropped what he was doing and immediately followed him. He understood what Elijah, who Elijah was. He understood what Elijah was asking of him. He was asking him, to come and follow him. And, he's, and we read that, 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 that Elisha asked, listen, can I say goodbye to my parents? I, I understand what you're asking of me and I am willing to go, but can I say goodbye to them? And he said, absolutely, go ahead and go. And he went and he, and he, and he killed the, the auction and, and, and he had a great feast to, to, to say goodbye to his parents and family and neighbors and, and, and town. And, and, and he said, I'm, I'm going. And he and He, and he, and he left. And we don't, we don't have any record of him ever returning. He, he left his family. He left all that he owned, all the wealth of his father, and he followed Elijah. And for ten years, Elijah served Elijah. And for ten years, he learned at the feet of Elijah. And it's actually given to us here in this chapter. You know, when the prophets of the cities would come upon Elisha and say, Hey, listen, do you know that the Lord's going to take your master? It says, He's going to take your master from over your head. That phrase keeps coming up over and over. It's supposed to to picture us there, his master standing up and teaching. And there, the disciple at the feet of his masters. And there, Elisha, for ten years, learned from Elijah. And it was, co- it was time for Elijah to come home. He despaired for his life in chapter 19 of First Kings and said, Lord, just take me home. And the Lord says, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with your work. I have a better plan for you. I have a better plan for you. And after he had done what the Lord had asked him, it was time for him to go home, not through death like, the, like most of us, but to be caught up in a whirlwind. And the Lord revealed this to Elijah and to Elisha. And so this morning we pick up here in chapter 2. And my goal is to concentrate on four things. Four things. I want to talk about the places they went to. Okay? I want to talk about the prophets and what they say and what they do. I want to talk about where the power is. Where is power? And lastly, I want to talk about the proof. As we talk through this story. So, those are the four things I want to highlight in your mind as we meditate upon this passage this morning. And so, we see here Elijah knows he's going, Elisha knows his master's going. And Elijah, for some reason, begins to test Elisha. And, and he knows he's going, and he says, the Lord has him to go to these different places. And they're in Gilgal, and he says to, to, to Elisha, hey, listen, just just stay here. You, you've been at my side for ten years. Just, just stay here. You're at Gilgal. It's an important place. Gilgal is an important place. Listen, I, I, let me bring you back to your memory. Gilgal was that very place where the children of Israel encamped after crossing the Jordan River. After that that long 40 years in the wilderness, the Lord finally brought them into the land and they crossed the Jordan River. The multitude of the children of Israel crossed over dry ground on the Jordan River. And there, they, on the other side, they encamped at Gilgal. And two very important things happened at Gilgal. The first thing is the Lord says, hey, you're in the land and if you're my children, if you're my chosen children... You need to bear my mark. He said, Joshua, I need you to sharpen some knives and circumcise the young men. And there at Gilgal, they circumcised all the men for all the men who were born in the wilderness had never been circumcised. And circumcision speaks to us of the cutting away or the putting away of flesh. Not just physically, but spiritually. The New Testament talks to us about putting away the flesh. Also, another thing that happened at Gilgal was that Joshua met met a man with a sword drawn. And Joshua would come up to this man, not knowing who he was, not recognizing who he was, and says, listen, are you for us or are you with our adversaries? It's a valid question. You're in enemy territory. And here's this man with a sword drawn. And he says, listen, that's the wrong question. Listen, I am the captain, the Lord of hosts. And Joshua realized that he stood before the living God and he fell on his face. He fell on his face and worshiped him. And the Lord told him, Joshua, take off the sandal off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. And there at Gilgal, the Lord led his people to possess the land. Gilgal was an important place for Israel. It had great significance for the Jews, had great significance for Israel. For the Lord was there. The Lord led them there. The Lord led the armies of Israel through Joshua there. And so Elijah says to Elisha, why don't you stay here? Elisha said no. He says, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. You see, Elisha understood one thing. The Lord called him to follow Elijah. To follow Elijah. At all costs. Whether it was convenient or not, he was to follow him. Even though he knew that today was the end of Elijah and he was not going to have his master anymore. He wanted to be by his side. It's an important principle, brothers and sisters. You know, th- there's one more thing that needs to be said about Gilgal before we move on. Yes, Gilgal Signified a a, a, a place of great significance for the children of Israel. But after all those years, that significance had become marred and had become ruined. A place where, I I didn't didn't bring it up, but the, the Lord told Joshua, Listen, I want you to grab 12 young men and grab 12 big stones from the bottom of the river. And then I want you to pile them up. They're at Gilgal. So that when your children see this pile of rocks, they say, Daddy, Daddy, what's that pile of rocks there for? You can tell them. Oh, son, the Lord God caused the Jordan River to part and to stop so that his people can walk through it on dry ground. And all the significance that, that, that it had became marred. When you turn to the the minor prophets of of Amos and and, and Jonah, there they said, hey, listen, don't go to Gilgal for transgressions and sins are multiplied there. Amos would say you you have turned a place of spiritual significance, of spiritual victory into a place of sin. Amos would go on. Listen, I'm tired of your of your false religion. I'm tired of your of your morning sacrifices and your evening sacrifices at Gilgal. It's all outward religion and nothing in here. That's what Gilgal became. Now, should Elisha stay there? No, absolutely not. Elisha should not stay there. And so Elisha followed Elijah. And he said, the Lord called me to go on to Bethel, to Bethel. And there's a second place where they go. And there at Bethel, they met a bunch of prophets. Now, it's interesting how the prophets keep popping up and how the Lord. It's actually God's grace, by the way. Let me explain myself. Why is it God's grace? Listen, the children of Israel were in disorder. They were separated. There was a southern kingdom and a northern kingdom. Ten tribes to the north refused to recognize the line of David as their king. And so they made their own kings. And their kings were wicked. They instituted idolatry. And the people were playing harlot with the the idols of of the nations. And God would send prophets to them. To plead with them. To say to them, listen, I am the Lord God who took you out of Egypt. And not just one, not just two, but many prophets. There were schools of prophets. In these places. The grace of God. Not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. Listen. He pleaded with his people. Time and time again. With all these prophets. And so they encounter these prophets. And these prophets come up to, to Elisha. 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 Listen. Do you know? Do you know that the Lord's going to take your master from you? Today. Elisha said yes. I know. I know. Keep your peace. I understand. I, I know what's going to happen. Just keep your peace. And we see a little bit of these prophets. And they had revelation of God in that moment. And God spoke through them. And God revealed to them what was going to happen. And praised the Lord for it. But some of them were not so great. And we see that later on. But they were at Bethel. We're back to the place. What was Bethel? Bethel means house of God. Bethel means the house of God. In fact, back in 1 Samuel, there when Samuel was the judge of Israel, and the tabernacle was in complete disrepair, and the Ark of the Covenant was up north in somebody's house, it says that Samuel would go from Gilgal to Bethel every time, once a year. And sacrifice there to the Lord. And to urge the people to put away their idols. And to serve the living God. And so even Samuel understood the significance between Gilgal and Bethel. Bethel was significant. Why? Well, Bethel, we first see in Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, when Abram, he was not Abraham yet. When Abram leaves Ur of the Chaldeans. Because God told him to do so. And God promises him, listen, the land that you're in, I will give to your descendants. I will give to your descendants. And it says that Abram left and camped at Bethel. And there he built his first altar. He built his first altar of worship to the living God. Bethel, house of God. Later on, years later, Jacob. Jacob, his grandson, fleeing from his brother. Fleeing from the wrath of Esau. What would... become late in the day in his travels to to Uncle Laban's house and and would, would lay his head upon a rock. And the Lord would give him this great vision of a ladder up to heaven and angels would come up and down from this ladder and God would promise Jacob, the deceiver, the usurper. Listen, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I what I have promised your father and your grandfather, I promise you and and I will bring you back to this place. I will keep you and bring you back to this place. You see that this Bethel had great sacred significance for the Lord's promises and covenants were done there. and Elijah says to elisha, elisha, remain here." Why, why don't you stay here? The, the, the Lord has me to move on to Jericho. Why don't you stay here? It's a great place. There, there's a great school of prophets here. Elisha says, no. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. He followed his master. Why? Well, as rich in history as Bethel was, and as rich in significance as this city of Bethel was, again, it had become marred. For reading First Kings, there when Jeroboam, son of Nebat, the first king of Israel, saw that the children of Israel were all traveling south to Jerusalem for the feast of Jehovah. And he realized that, listen, the hearts of the people aren't going to be with me if they have to go down to the southern kingdom. And he had this great idea. Marvellous idea he had. Listen, this is what I'll do. I will make a golden calf. I'll make two of them, and I will put one up to the north in Dan, the northern, the most northern province of Israel, and I will put one to the south at Bethel. And there I'll encourage the children of Israel, those ten northern tribes, to listen. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You can come to one of these two places. It's a lot more convenient. It's a lot easier. You don't have to go down to Jerusalem. You don't have to go down to that tabernacle. Listen, these golden calves, these are the gods who rescued you from Egypt. Wow. Wow. The very same words that Aaron spewed there in the wilderness when he created this golden calf. The, oh, well, well yeah, this is the God who took you out of Egypt. Oh. The foolishness of it. Here the house of God had become the house of foolishness. In fact, the Lord changes His name in Scripture of Bethel to Beth Haven. You know what Beth Haven means? House of folly. That's what men do, by the way. That's what what you and I do in our own strength. What what the world does with with God. They take what what God has, has instituted and what God has made as perfect and beautiful and blessing and gracious and merciful. And we take it and we... We put our own spin to it. And we turn what is a blessing of God into a cursing. Into cursing and into folly. Bethel. i got to move quickly. He then goes to Jericho. And there at Jericho, another school of prophets there. And here comes the prophets, and they come up to Elisha and say the same thing. Elisha, listen, the Lord told me, your master's going away today. Elisha says, I, I know. I know. Keep your peace. Be silent. And there at Jericho, a pleasant city, a beautiful city, the city of palms. Elijah says to Elisha, hey, why don't you stay here? Why don't, you, why don't you remain here? I, the Lord's calling me to the Jordan River. It's, it's not too far away. Just stay here. Elisha says no. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. Listen, Jericho is as pleasant as it was and as beautiful as it was. was cursed. It was cursed. There, There's significance in that city too as well. I don't want to belittle that point. Listen, it's the first city, the fortified city that the children of Israel came up against when they crossed over the Jordan. And it had such great walls and such thick walls that you had a bunch of men with nothing but swords and sticks. They didn't have battering rams. They didn't have anything to to scale that wall. And the Lord says, I will give you the victory. I will give you the victory. And the Lord judged that city and tore it down by his power. By his might, not by the might of the children of Israel. And Joshua cursed that city. He says, listen, if anybody rebuilds this city, it was it was torn down. It was burnt. It was flattened. He says, if anyone were to, to, to build this city, it's going to cost them. Our brother Dave brought it up a couple weeks ago. Listen, it, as he lays the first cornerstone of that city, it's going to cost his first son. And as and if he continues to build it, and this man was 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 uh, uh, Hillel is his name, or the the Bethlite. He would go and he would begin to build the city, and he would lose his firstborn at the beginning of stages of it. And as he kept on building and he kept on building because it was a beautiful place and pleasant. All the way to the end, till he hung the gates on the city. It says it cost him his youngest son. It was a cursed place. Elisha would not stay there. And neither should we. And so they then travel down to the Jordan River. And I want to pause to talk about the prophets here for a minute. For I find it interesting that the prophets who went up to Elisha and said, Hey, listen, don't you know? And he said, Yes, I know. Knew what was going to happen. Knew that the Lord was going to take his servant home. And none of them but Elisha followed. None of them but Elisha followed. In fact, it says that 50 of them from afar off saw the two men at the Jordan River. They stood from afar. Listen, there's there's great folly in that, brothers and sisters. These, These 50 prophets of God, knowing the Word of God, knowing what God was going to do, why would they not want to be there? Knowing the truth of God, why wouldn't they want to be in the trenches of it, like Elisha? Saints, I tell you, they are believers, and I speak to myself, sometimes we're we're brought up in the church and we know truth. We know the Word of God. We've been raised in the Word of God, and we we, we can talk about it. We can discuss it. We can debate about it. But we're far off. We're never fully giving ourselves to the will of God. We, 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 we have a bunch of head knowledge, but no heart knowledge. We, we stand on the outside and say, praise the Lord for that, brother. Praise the Lord for that, missionary. What a wonderful work the Lord is doing. Praise the Lord. Yet we sit around and do nothing. We sit around and watch. How, what folly is that? Foolishness. We should be with Elisha. We should be next to our master where he is. We need to be. Listen, I I failed to mention this at the beginning, but listen. The ministry of Elisha began, and it only began when he beheld the man ascended. Did you catch that? The ministry of Elisha began, and only began, when he beheld a man ascended. It's true of him, and it's true of you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Unless you behold the risen Christ, the ascended Christ... And give yourself to them. Can the Lord then use you? And so I, I, I bring up the prophets. And I don't mean to belittle them. And I don't mean to berate them. But learn from these men. Why would they not follow in the steps of Elisha? Why would they not follow? is it too inconvenient? Was Jericho too beautiful for them? Was the the prophet school too comfortable and too nice? They were hanging out with their friends and buddies and fellowshipping. That's great. But if God gives you truth and God reveals and God leads, you should follow. And I speak to myself. I speak to myself. I'm not speaking down at you. It's lessons I need to learn. And so they're down at the Jordan River. Both men are down at the Jordan River. And, and, and listen, I, not to be liberal, but Jordan means something. You see, when the children of Israel stood upon a flooded Jordan River, they could not cross. Even the, the, the youngest, strongest, mighty swimmer could not cross that river because it was flooded. It meant certain death. And that's what Jordan River meant to the children of Israel. It meant certain death. And here they are before this barrier. And Elijah, Elijah, I'm sorry, grabs his mantle and strikes the water. And the water goes this way and that way and parts. And both men walk across on dry ground. The putting away, the putting away of self, the death of self, we learn in the New Testament, to, to put to death the members of the flesh. I I, I, I hope I'm I'm leaning to you, leading you guys to to something. You see, you follow Elijah, Elisha, and the way he goes about it, he follows his master wherever he goes, wherever he goes. He puts away, puts to death the the, uh, members of his flesh. And so there they are on the other side of the Jordan. And there, Elijah asks Elisha on a very big question. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? Now, now listen, that's a big question. I don't know if I can handle that question. It, it reminds me of the question that the Lord asked Solomon, young King Solomon, Solomon, whatever you ask, I will give you. What, what, what can I give you? And, and, and we read that story. We marvel at the heart of this young man. For this young man looks at what he has, and he says, listen, I don't desire my enemies to be, to be thrown out. I don't desire riches. Listen, I desire the understanding heart to rule your people. What a beautiful heart that is. I think if the Lord asked me that, I'd fear what I would say. And here is a very similar question. Elijah says to Elisha, Elisha, what, what, what can I give you? What is it that you want and he simply said, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want a double portion of your spirit. Now, well, what does that mean? I mean? There's only one Elijah. There's not two Elijahs to give a double spirit of Elijah. And it's not referring to Elijah necessarily himself. But the Holy Spirit of power that is within him. And, and, and more specifically, it's not necessarily about the quantity of the spirit. It's more to do with the privilege and the honor of the firstborn. You see, this should speak to us of the firstborn. There in Deuteronomy, it teaches us that the firstborn of the family gets a double portion. That firstborn then leads the family. He not only gets the double portion. Not only is he in charge of taking care of, of any unmarried sisters or his widowed mother or aunts and so forth, he is then the head he leads. After his father. And that's what Elisha was saying. Listen, I want the double portion. I want you to give me the firstborn's blessing. I want to take over where you leave off, is what he's saying. I want to take over where you left off in your ministry and where the Lord had you working. That's what I want to do. And he did. The Lord did give him a double portion in many different ways. He did continue what Elijah started. There in chapter 19, he told Elijah to go and anoint two other men. And, and guess who would do it? Not Elijah, but Elisha would do it. And when we talk about double portion, well, he, he did seem to do more than Elijah. Elijah gets all the, all, all the notoriety and all the fame, but Elisha did twice as much. He did twice as many miracles. A double portion. Now, I've got to pause to apply this to our hearts. Because this idea of a double portion is important. This idea of, of, of the blessing of the firstborn is important because it applies to believers today. Listen, in the New Testament, it said of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the firstborn of many brethren, right? He is the firstborn of the church. He is the firstborn. He has the double blessing. And I tell you, we can claim that double blessing. Well, how? Well, in Ephesians, it tells us that we are in Christ. If we are in Christ, we claim that. In Hebrews chapter 12, we've talked about it this morning. The church is called the church of the firstborn. And we have that double blessing. We have that double blessing that the firstborn gets. Now, I want you to begin to grasp the grandeur of this. For the Lord says to his disciple, listen, greater miracles than I, you will do. You catch that? The miracles and all the wonderful things that Jesus Christ did while he was on earth. Listen, greater things than what I did, you're going to do. Double portion. And it's that very same spirit that you have and I have. We have that double portion. And so we read that these men are actually, Elijah says, says to Elisha, Listen, it's a hard thing to get you asked, but if you see me be taking up, then it will be for you. In other words, if you if you see me go up, you will have your desire. But if you don't, it will not be true. And it says that a chariot of fire with horses on fire came and separated the two. And e- e- Elijah was caught up in a whirlwind. And Elisha would cry, my father, my father. He, his master was dear to him like a father. The horseman of Israel, the chariot of Israel, the horseman of it. He saw his master go up to heaven. He saw him ascend, And and, and imagine he cried in a sense of disparity, of of, of fear, of of trepidation. Now he's on his own. Now he's no longer at the feet of his master, but he's on his own. Yet, there was provision made for him, wasn't there? I I, I think of the scene there as, as... a parallel there to as the Lord ascended up to heaven. And the Lord ascended up to heaven, and, and, and the disciples are looking up, and there the Lord has gone, and they don't know what to do with themselves. And an angel appeared to them and said, Listen, what are you guys sitting around here for? He's ready go do what you're told, for a helper is coming. There was provision then, and there's provision now. You see, the mantle of Elijah. Came down. And it says that Elisha tore his clothes in two. And he picked up the mantle of Elisha. And he went and stood by the Jordan River and struck it. And he says, Where is the Lord God of Elisha? Of Elijah. And the water parted this way and that way. And he walked on dry ground. Saints, listen, I tell you, there, 50 days later after the Lord had ascended, there, The Holy Spirit came upon men and women. And they spoke in tongues. And there was a great multitude. And they they, they spoke every man in his own dialect. And there was a great repentance amongst the people. And the priest would look upon him and say, Who are these men? They're ignorant and unlearned. How is this possible? By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the power is found when you look up. You see, Elijah told Elisha, listen, if you want this double portion, if you want this double portion of spirit, you have to see me go up. It depends on you looking up and and looking to the source of the power, the heavens. And I tell you today, the power is... Is when we look up. There's blessing. There is great blessing when we walk in the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, in the influence of the Spirit, and not of ourselves. For if we look down, for if we look upon ourselves and our intellect and our wisdom for, for, for blessing God's people, for doing God's work, it's futile, it's worthless. It's emptiness. But the power is when we look up. The power is when we trust in the living God to provide and to give strength. So we had that lesson in Elisha. The power was found when he looked up. Very quickly now, I'm way over time. I'll say this about the, the proof. He crosses over the Jordan River and the prophets again... Uh, kind of disappointing, standing of standing afar. And I, I would imagine they even witnessed e- e- Elijah being caught up in a world when going up in, and they would have the audacity to sit there and say to Elijah, hey, we have 50 young men. They're good climbers and, and, and they like to hike. Let, let's send them out. Maybe the Lord put him up on a high hill and left him there accidentally, you know. Or maybe he, he, he dropped him and he fell in the valley. Is that your God? Is that who you think God is? The God would take His servant who was faithful to Him and would would, would lob Him up in the air and let Him fall. No. Is your God that small? No. Is your God that small? Sometimes I think He is. I think we think he, God is that small. Oh no, God can't do that for me. Why not? Oh well, well you, listen. All you have to do is have faith. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is walk in faith. Sometimes we think like these prophets. We, we think so small of our God. Elisha knew. Don't don't bother sending anybody. Don't send anyone. And they bugged him and they bugged him. And he said, "Fine, go." And they came back three days. Well, we couldn't find him. I told you, I told you. He knew he, he knew who God was. He knew what happened to his master. And to the proof. We have those two stories there in Jericho and there in Bethel, or just outside of Bethel. One where water was bitter. Water was causing the land to be barren. The word actually means miscarry. It causes the ground to be miscarrying. The fruit, the fruit trees would grow, and they would flower, and there would be buds, and there would be small little, little fruit, and it would all fall off and there would be no fruit because of the water. The place was cursed. And Elijah goes and let me have have some salt in a new bowl. And he goes to the source. And he pours it on the source. I I don't have much time to say this, but I I believe this this bitter water speaks of the bitterness of heart. Listen, change. If you have bitterness in your heart, you have to deal with it at the source. And you have to deal with it with the word of God. Otherwise... It will destroy you. It will cause you to be barren spiritually. Lastly, I have a lot more to say about that. But lastly, very quickly about this last story of Elisha at Bethel. Now, I do want to point out, and I do want to explain a little bit about this because I've heard atheists use this story against you, against believers. In fact, Christopher Hitchens in a in a, in a debate against John Lennox would said to say Christopher Hitchens, by the way, has passed away and and. He's in a, in a lot worse place than he was here. And he says, he says in, in, in this debate to, to John Lennox, says, listen, is God great? God would cause two female uh, uh, bears to come out and devour 42 little children. What kind of God is that, he would say. Is that a God I want to love? Is that a God who loves me? Is that a God who people should follow, he says. Taking the word of God completely out of context, Not understanding the passage and throwing it in a believer's face like this is your God, and that's not—that's far from the truth. Number one, the word "youth" is not speaking of little children. I believe the King James uses "little children," and the word is not "our" in the Hebrew, and it's used of, for example, there when, when when Samuel goes to Jesse to anoint David, and it says that Jesse brought the oldest son, the next son, and the next son, and the next son, and all the sons that had gone by, and he says, are these all your Nahar children? No, no, we have the youngest. Well, he's not big enough to even be considered a child yet. He's out in the field with the. So the word Nahar refers to not little children, but young men, strong young men. It, 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 the word Nahar is used of Joseph when he was 39 years old. So first of all, When it says young men, it's adults. Number two, they were in Bethel, a city in which Jeroboam instituted idol worship to the golden calf. And number three, they heard what happened to Elijah. They said to Elisha, oh, why don't you go up like your master? Why don't you go up? Mocking his God. Mocking the Lord. Mocking the Lord of hosts. And not just a few of them, but a mob. For it says that the two bears came out and devoured only 42 of them. Only 42 of them. Who knows how many got away? And there the Lord protected his name and protected his servant. And judged those men, those sinful men who knew not the living God. And so I leave you with that this morning. Thank you for your patience. I pray that the the lessons that we learn here in Elijah and Elisha will bless your heart as it has blessed mine. Let us pray. Our Heavenly God and Father, we thank you, Lord, for the testimony of this man, for the, the witness of this man, how he would not leave his master. No matter, what, no matter what the world around him would say, no matter what his peers would say, he would not leave his master. I think of, Lord, as Paul would tell his testimony, how, how you confronted him there in the road of Damascus. It says, listen, I, I did not go and, and talk to flesh and blood, but he went to the source and he would not leave its side. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a heart that yearns to be at your feet and to to be able to tune out all the noise that's around us, and to only hear the small, still voice of our Lord. Lord, we ask all these things in your Son's precious name, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm.